Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Dana here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is Words That Move Me. I'm stoked. Uh, Today, you are about to learn (laughs) a lot. Uh, Emily Wanzerski is many things and knows many things. In fact, when it comes to the dance landscape in Los Angeles, pretty sure she knows more than anyone I know. (laughs) So you're in for a super treat. I am thrilled to introduce you to her and stoked for you to get to know her kind of a small slice of what is going on in her world anyways, and in her mind. But first, let's do some wins. Uh, Start every episode with wins. I think it's very important. Today, I am celebrating, maybe it's a small, but it is an important win. I'm celebrating my first 45-minute ride, like spin ride, in a long time. Y'all, I've been getting so cozy (laughs) with those 30-minute hit it and quit it's. And let me tell you, an extra 15 minutes on a bike makes for a big difference in sweat uh, and in energy for the rest of the day. I am tie-tie. But actually, the 45 minutes went by really fast. It didn't feel longer than a 30-minute ride. I just sweat a lot more. And I'm still alive to talk about it. So that's my win. Uh, Actually, the real win is kind of buried within that win. The real reason I did a 45-minute ride today is not to sweat more. Uh, It is because I will be reunited with podcast guest, friend, and mentor, Tevia Selly, who is a spin instructor. Um, Read the best spin instructor in the world. And she is coming out of retirement for a one-day-only ride. So I'm going to be there for that. And I'm currently training to be training with her. I have to pre-train in order to train train. Uh, dang, I wish I had started doing this a long time ago. I'm in for it. Wish me luck. Okay, that's my win. Uh, I'm an athlete. Now you go. What's going well in your world? Congratulations, my friend. Please keep winning. Please keep training. Please keep crushing it out there. I'm thrilled for you. Okay, let's do this. Emily Wanzerski, y'all. She is a bottomless well of knowledge and enthusiasm and power and creativity. And she's soon to be a scholar. She is an information aggregator, a self-proclaimed art doula which might be the coolest title I have ever heard. And she is one hell of a dinner date. Emily is here to give you a super speedy rundown of the history of dance in LA. And I am here to interrupt her a lot. Most of the time it's worth it, I promise. (laughs) Um, But yes, she's giving you a super, a super fast um, kind of top level outline or overlook of dance in LA. And It's riveting, y'all. This is such a treat. I'm honored. I am thrilled. uh, And I hope that you enjoy this conversation with the one and only 
Emily Wanzerski. Emily Wanzerski, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Yo. I'm so excited to be here after listening to how many episodes have you done? Like 257,000? Uh, right. Very close. 256,000 uh, as of today. This is, this is, thank you for being here because I'm really trying to make my 300,000 mark and you're helping me get closer. Um, 178, 180 maybe, including all the bonus ones and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Pretty well, pretty well tuned. And I'm not going to lie. This is long overdue. Um, I will say, I, I, I want, <laughs> I'm a big Wayne's World fan, and the only thing <laughs> I can think about right now is, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Stop. And they finally meet Alice Cooper. <laughs> Having you on the podcast is is truly a blessing, a gift, an absolute honor. I am thrilled to share the the stage screen microphone. What is it even in a podcast? I'm sh just thrilled to share with you. And- People don't even know what is about to happen to their <laughs> minds. Um, no offense. I'll lower the bar. Hey, Emily, normal person with some <laughs> knowledge about dance. <laughs> um, thanks for being on the podcast. Super stoked about you. Uh, we've known each other for several, several years now. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about how we met and things like that. But first, introduce yourself. As as a person who knows the podcast, you know that that's part of it. Um, and you have a... I'm, I'm curious to hear how this goes because... You wear so many hats and you do so many things in so many different spaces. I'm literally, not literally, I mean, I, everybody says that, but if there was a seatbelt here, I would buckle it because I'm so excited for your, for your introduction. I am also excited for my introduction because I feel like every time I introduce myself, it changes. So yes. we are nothing but a work in progress. Um but my name is Emily Wenzerski. I've been living in LA for over a decade, working in the cultural ecosystem. I started my career running a dance company that was older than me, um, and I accidentally went freelance self-employed about four years in, and I, my main goal is getting artists into spaces and companies and building spaces and companies that support the making, the, the making and the development of new kinds of art. And I say art um, rather than dance because I have intersected with muralists and with festivals and parades and dance and theater and musical theater and all versions of things in between and the museum space a little bit. So um, yeah, I'm a cultural practitioner, producer, oh. consultant, uh, cultural doula, if you will. I help projects come to this life. This is my favorite. Through yes, this is my favorite. Funding, sometimes marketing, sometimes dramaturg work, sometimes something else. But um, yeah, I've run a lot of LA theaters. Um, this is, I, I'm glad I was buckled, buckled in for that. Because yeah. that's a ride. And some of those words, I don't know what they mean. What did you say? Dramaturg? Dramaturg? <laughs> Dramaturg. Yes. Speaking of dance. Bring it over. Speaking of, uh, you know, dance and, dance and live performance history, dra dramaturg is like the study of the composition of the elements of the drama, if you will, in the theater space on stage. So a dramaturg... Okay, be right back while I stop being a podcast host and get into that. That sounds like it's made for me. How did yes. I... Well, I'll tell you how I missed that. I graduated high school. I moved to Los Angeles and I took dance class nine hours a day until I went on tour. 
for yeah. my first tour. And then that's kind of how that happened. Carry on. I'm still listening. So a dramaturge in the theatrical space with like very traditional plays would hold the basically the researcher element for the director in, mm-hmm. that is putting on the play and gather more information about maybe the time period or like specific anecdotal mm-hmm. stories that would apply to certain characters so that they're helping the, cor- the director really build out the world. And so historically speaking, dance is the least funded art form, as we know and feel it on a daily basis. But slowly people are starting to use dramaturge and dance as well, which I think is really wonderful because when you think about what a choreographer is, you're effectively a director of movement, which as you and I both know, originally in early dance musicals, that is how we were billed is directors of movement versus choreographers. And so, you know, a lot of modern choreographers, either choreographers for stage or screen, you know, you want to, you're focusing on what is the literal move, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then what is the context around that? And that's where I think dramaturgy and dramaturgical work is really helpful and would really infuse our field with a lot of interesting, more kind of needy work. And, And in so many ways, more credit and more directions. Yeah, Yes. And there's value in research. You know, I mean, that's part of that's one of the ways I've become uh, I'm not a scholar yet. I will be a scholar one day. But I I feel like right now I'm just a big old dance history nerd who's like an aggregator of information right now. I don't really like know it from my guts yet. Yes. Um, You know, but we don't make work in a vacuum, you know, and so the drama. And is any of it original ever? Yeah. It comes from somewhere. There's, it comes directly from places and people. Yeah, there's context a new idea under the history. sun, you yes. know? And at, at oh the same God. time, there is, you know? But um, yeah, oh. so I've done a little bit of that work too, just by default, because in the field of in the field of dance, you know, um, rarely do choreographers get an assistant, much less a dramaturge right. person, you know? Oh my so, gosh, I'm imagining the conversation I had with a... Uh, executive producer of this film I just choreographed and I was trying to get two assistants <laughs> and I am just imagining asking him for a dramaturge and his response, the dry, just dry bones, this guy, so dry. Yeah. Um, it probably actually would have been laughter coming from him. Yeah. Probably would have been laughter. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. This is so valuable. I'm excited to hear I, in a second, you will gift us a bit of a landscape, a historical landscape of Los Angeles. And I'm really excited to hear that. But let's let's back up and talk about how we met. When when we met, um, you were working at the Department of uh, Culture and Arts in Los Angeles, right? I was. I was working for the City of LA's Department of Cultural Affairs. And I was in Thank the you. Performing Arts Division working underneath at the time, uh, the performing arts director's name was Ben Johnson, who has since yes. moved on to be the first director of arts and culture for the city of Minneapolis, which is where he's from. So he, he, I didn't know he, that. Gifted, he gifted us with a, a decade of amazingness in L.A. and then has circled back um, to his hometown. Fantastic. And what were what was your day to day? Like, what was your role? What, what, what was your life like at that time? So Ben brought me on first as a contractor um, to build out a strategic plan for the future of the Madrid Theater, which is in Canoga Park. It's one of the few city owned and operated theaters in Los Angeles. Um, and when I arrived, we had a lot of not only physical infrastructure problems, but also mm-hmm. personnel challenges and renter challenges and internal operations. And so I was brought on 
to develop the plan for the next three years and then as a staff member implement said plan. And so I ran the Madrid for about a year, two years, I think. Um, and then we brought in someone to continue, you know, holding holding down what I set up. And then I moved mm-hmm. on to the Barnstall Gallery Theater, which was also owned by the city of L.A. Um, mm-hmm. to take all of those best practices and install them at the Barnstall. And then yep, yep. in theory, I was going to keep going. But in reality, COVID happened. Um, yes. But yeah, when I when we first met, I, I think we did we meet at that dinner? I think so. I think yeah. so, too. Oh, my God, that's right. Yes. And I, f- I found a picture of that dinner. <laughs> Do you have it? Uh, well, actually, you have it. We're gonna- it's on your uh, Instagram. Get out of here. Yeah. And okay. I, I just scrolled okay, all with the, show the way on back. Galen was there. <laughs> yes. You were there. Jillian was, was there. Jillian was there. Uh, Marissa, Nina Flagg. Oh, fantastic. Trish, Trish C. was there. Yes. And Ben and myself. And oh yeah, my gosh, but yeah, that was that, yeah, that was the first time. I it's interesting. That restaurant is no longer, by the way. I know, I know. Um, it's interesting though, because that original, like, the idea behind that dinner was Ben was new in his role and was like, yeah. "We have this enormous dance community," and I put air quotes around that, you know, mm-hmm. that are being served through like traditional cultural grant programs and making work on stage and all of that. And in the, I'm slowly divorcing myself from the terms concert and commercial. Thank but you in, very much. In in you know, for the sake of this conversation, Ben was very clear on where the concert dance scene was and really okay. understood that. But yeah. was like, as the director of performing arts of the city of LA, like we need like this is a whole dance community and like this entire economy and you know system of work happening over in what we want, what we are not calling commercial dance anymore, but we were at the time. You know, needs to get in here with us and like because all of the dancers already cross pollinate. So like, yeah. why aren't the funders and people in charge cross pollinating to serve the entire ecosystem? So this is the question, right? And so that's why Ben was like, "I need to meet some of these people." And I was like, "Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll ask everybody I know for their favorite people in commercial dance." And that's and then there you were, and now oh, we're friends. <laughs> I'm very flattered to be on that list. And that night was awesome. I remember, uh, first of all, fe- feeling honored and thrilled to be at the table with those. With those people, yeah. but also feeling a sense of opportunity, mm-hmm. a sense of um, like opportunity, but mixed with like borderline embarrassment that what this person was looking for didn't really uh, – well, what Ben was looking for was the other half of this fully formed landscape of dance in LA. But what we know now is that we are all – an overlapping thing. Mm-hmm. But at that time I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed that I don't know your side. And I'm embarrassed that my side seems to be made up entirely of islands. Yes. And 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 to bring you island hopping with me um would require great time and yes. coordination. <laughs> and I, I for for a community that is so connected to our work, we are not always very connected to each other. We're not, uh, I think, I think the work we're doing with the choreographers guild is really changing that. And what happened over the pandemic, people started talking, people started sharing stories. And when I say people, I really do specifically mean choreographers because I think dancers as a community probably, uh, share more and connect more on a day-to-day basis than choreographers get to with each other. I remember feeling like, I wish I had better answers for you. I wish I had 
I, I wish I had more information. I wish I could point to an organized structure of who we are and how we operate and how we, you know, contribute value to the entertainment industry. There's no playbook. There's no, there's none there. There's, and there's no history book either. Like the one, the one book that is written about LA dance artists is this one. And it's called dancing in the sun, Hollywood choreographers from 1915 to 1937. And this what year was the this published? only one? Um, it was published originally 1987. Wow. This is the only one on LA dance choreographers. Now there's also this one that uh-huh. is, uh, for those who are listening and not in the room with us, film choreographers yeah. and dance directors by Larry Billman, which oh, is I've like, seen this which is like more textbook style, but yes. this is, film choreographers. So this yeah. includes choreographers in New York, you know? So like there is that, like there's, I've used this book before and there are LA artists in this book, but like there is truly one. And you'll see on the front of this book, that is the Hollywood Bowl yeah. um, back, backdrop or back. We'll, we'll link to both of these PS for everybody listening. Totally. Yeah. Um, because the Hollywood Bowl, which opened in this time frame, was one of the um, biggest presenters of dance in Los Angeles when it first opened. Um, oh, so there was now a I'm lot mad at dance. them. Yeah, yeah. times have changed. The, peri- the period again was 1915 to 37? Yes. Dancing in the Sun by Naomi Previtz. I am fascinated. I'm coming for it. Yeah. So, Emily, it sounds like you will, will probably be adding author to your I list would, of I would love to add author, or even if not author, just like aggregator. You know, like yeah. this yeah. book, this book was all written by one person, but I think it'd be really interesting to have a book or an online resource of like, you know, Ryan Heffington writing about his mentor, mm-hmm. you know, like he mm-hmm. danced with Kitty. So let's have, let's have Ryan write about Kitty. And then who did Kitty dance or talk about who she mm. worked with? You know, I think. Yes, let's reverse engineer um, ourselves to the, to the right? beginnings. To, to the family ge- genealogy of us, you yeah. know, Kevin Williamson, who's a modern choreographer. He's the chair of the Scripps Dance Department. He just did a piece about, I don't know, eight months ago at Stomping Ground where the first half of the show was him performing, um, you know, kind of um, odes to his past mentors, three people. And then there was an intermission. And then the second half was three of his students performing his work. Shut it. And it was so beautiful, not only because I love Kevin and, you know, think his movement is gorgeous and also know his mentors and think their movement is gorgeous, but just, it was one of those shows where I was like, I want to see everybody's version of this show. Like yes. I want to see Dana's version of the show. Oh I my god, I want to do that. I Tony do Basil's it. version of the show. You know, oh. so we can start getting that just names. You know, and who met who? Who the connected? With look at who. the look at the leaves, the branches, the yeah the trunk. Because so, I also think it wouldn't not only be it not only is that important because we want to know our history, but I think it'd also be really inspiring for people that arrive in Los Angeles. Maybe they don't know anybody. Maybe they know five people from that one competition they did or like the studio thing over here, you know, but like you step in and everybody, you know, knows a bunch of people. And so I hope it would, it would help like kind of get rid of some of the fear. Totally. It shows, it shows you that you are connected. It shows you that even without knowing quote unquote anyone, because Mm -hmm. let's be real, we all know someone. Yeah. And once you know one, you're connected to their web, which is connected to their web, which is connected to their web. It's one of the things I encourage my coaching clients to do actually is to create a web to actual, actually draw out anybody who has the audacity to tell me I'm not connected enough. Yep. I, 
actually like challenge accepted i am like (laughs) sit down (laughs) you just told that to the wrong person (laughs) (laughs) you you missed the page on my website coach (laughs) coach well and also i'm offended how dare you tell me that you aren't connected because if you're talking to me you've got a resource i'm right here (laughs) i'm right here and i'm connected Absolutely. And so and so you wind up finding in this exercise even even knowing like truly knowing three or five people or having done one gig. Yep. The connection, the network here really is Yeah. It's it's it's, it's fascinating. It's sprawling. It's it is inspiring to think about. And it's funny that you're you we bring it back to both ends, right? I it can be true that choreographers and even companies or groups here exist on islands. Yeah. But they are made up of people who island hop. So mm-hmm. yeah, so there is a web. There is a web and there's so much connectivity. Okay. I you wow. Let's <laughs> let's keep let, let's just go into it. Let's just do the thing. Let's I, just do the thing. Let's just do the thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a nice it's a nice segue anyways because, you know, that is what LA dance history is is also a bunch of islands. Like this is yeah. this this what we experience in our current ecosystem is a reflection of our past, right? And so, I think our past informs not only our present but also our future, and it's up to us, the current artists, it is our responsibility to not only pay homage and respect these islands in the past, but connect ourselves to them and pull them into the future with us because you know, it, at least in my experience as someone who grew up dancing and majored in dance, you know, the majority of dance history is taught through the lens of New York, which is mm-hmm. lovely, but, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's not inaccurate, but there are, li- there are other lenses we can look through to get more of a broader, inclusive understanding of what dance is, who is mm-hmm. making dances, who gets to dance, who gets to see dance, and mm-hmm. where does all of this happen? So, you know, many of our pioneers and dance legends that we have learned about, you know, either spent time in Los Angeles, lived in Los Angeles, or toured through Los Angeles, you know, throughout the course of their career. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like, when you arrive, it's like, welcome to the party, you know, yeah. and especially, and as an artist, it is your responsibility to learn as much as you can about the party you're stepping into, especially us white folks, because with our history, we need to know where these various lineages are coming from and and do the honor of respecting them. Um, because it's just, the ecosystem is so deep and vast and intersecting and it's our job to celebrate and process all of it together. Um, so wow. before I jump into a spiel, you know, I think the first thing I wanna, wanna recognize is that there have been people dancing on this land known as Southern California for over 10,000 years. Um, the native tribes that arrived long before Hollywood, long before California became a state in, I believe, 1850, which I always have to look up because I, I'm not a numbers person. Um, well, you, you're clearly a names person. Yes. So I'll allow you to not be a dates person. Okay, also. great. Excellent. Permission granted. Excellent. We'll, we'll do a little fact check. We'll put it in the show notes. Carry okay, on. great. Um, but there were three primary tribes or nations that lived here, the Tongva, the Gabrielino, and the Chumash nations. Um, and the vast majority of this world you know, revolved around the water. They were stewards of the ocean. They were in marine trade. They followed the LA River before it was concrete and built 
their um, built where they were going to live along the river so they had access to water. You know, it's interesting, Ben and I, through our research, um, a lot of LA dance artists look towards water and the natural landscape for inspiration, um, mm -hmm. which I think is a reflection of the original people that were here. You know, that the landscape is stunning. You know, I, I when oh. I walk through Los Angeles, I love architecture, but I also sometimes think about what this land looked like without any architecture on it. You know, and Whoa. you can see some of those old pictures and it's just like rolling hills and there were yeah. horse farms and yeah. anyways. So, oh my gosh. Speaking of anyways, just for like a quick pause, only yeah, because totally. there are two connected things that are disconnected until I connect them right now. I went on a illegal <laughs> uh, kayak, guided kayak tour of the LA River. It was illegal, um, but it was guided? It was, it was illegal, meaning it's not like a... Uh, so the, at the beginning they were like they, were, they didn't have a permit yeah they didn't have a permit to be there they don't exist you can't find them online the it's orange like, flag goes up everybody yes. out of your boats and everybody run. out of the boats and go yeah. take your boat <laughs> yes. I did that and the exit like where our trip ended yeah. was at the restaurant where you and I oh my gosh amazing with all those people that's where we got like amazing. out of the boat and out and that is where I ate that night hungry and soggy and itchy in not a good way not wouldn't really recommend you don't need to be in the river but yes we can marvel at the water and yeah. at the landscape absolutely i digress i yield the floor please please take the mic <laughs> and so um you know i i give all that background because not only is it an important thing to acknowledge but i think it informs what what has happened since people have arrived here 100%. um also just context for our listeners part of how i became so excited and interested in la dance history is i had like the great great honor to work on a project with ben johnson through the Annenberg Foundation, um, we were going to do an exhibition of the history of dance in LA, and then COVID happened, and the foundation reallocated funding to COVID recovery, which God Fair. bless, God bless them, love and adore. But one of the sad cascading effects of that was this project hasn't hasn't evolved into anything else yet. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my research is stills because it was a photography exhibition, um, but it's been really interesting as I've continued to stay and you know researching on my own and my free time keeping that, that ball in, in your mind um you know i've kind of been gathering things along the way so anyways there's a couple different ways we can go through this right you can go chronologically yeah. you can go investigating like through each choreographer kind of like that web we were talking about you could also do it through particular television shows like this or, sounds like an interactive game i know really right? yes we should or an interactive museum where everybody's performing like you step yes. into a room and all of a sudden Even it's better. like you're on the set of soul train and then you turn the corner Shut up. and then you're like all of a sudden that a you know hollywood bowl performance from the 1930s you know yes. like wouldn't that be Say so cool less. yes oh my gosh getting funny I now also another idea for us if we don't have the funds for a museum space cuz that's a lot. I also want to do an interactive TED talk where I'm just saying facts, but yes. like dancers are embodying the dance happening behind me. Um, I have, I've, so far I've only casted one friend and now you're the second one. Two. <laughs> and anyone listening is also raising listening. their hand right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, so the lenses, right? While, yes, while yes, you yes, get yes, over yes. our TED talk. I can't like, handle, like I can't handle that. That's such a great idea. But, but I just let me pause and, yeah. and direct all the people listening. As you introduce yourself as, as a person who knows things and learns things and connects things and acquires information, this is a creative being. This is an mm. art person. This is a person who creates. You just heard it happen. I, I, 
this is another example of we are not commercial versus concert. We are not teacher versus choreographer. We are multi-types, mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And you are such a creative participant in the dance ecosystem here. A facilitator, yes. A person who, a, a doula, yes. Um, an art doula, yes. But I just need you to hear, and I want everybody to like watch how that happens, that none of us are a one thing person. And so you're going to get a history lesson that you don't even deserve right now. I don't even care who you are. I'm telling you, you don't deserve what's about to happen because it's so good. Um, Thank you, Dana. Dana, That really means a lot to me because (laughs) my career, you know, when you would looking at yourself, like, how do we describe Dana? List of credits, you know, is one right. You know, poacher is this way, but we, there's like, there's like an understandable language around what you do versus what I do. You know, yeah. it's, it's a lot of invisible work. It's a lot yeah. of grant writing three, behind the scenes three stuff or four in years service of someone else happen, in service of someone else. There's a lot of like f- facilitation is a good word, you know, but it is, it's interesting on my, like we all have down days and on my down days, I'm like, what do I have to show for myself? Because so mm-hmm. much of my work is invisible, but I, I, you know, and then I get over the hump and say all the things and I'm like, oh no, it oh, is important. Girl. And here are the reasons why, you know, I'm going to remind you in those while moments, you're about to tough. do your Ted talk, I'm going to be like, remember when you were invisible? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah, for a decade. And then you have me on your podcast. <laughs> and then, and now you're on stage at Ted talks, like sweating bullets because yes. y- you're like, cause we you, are I, embodying soul li- train for five yes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyways. Yes. Let's, oh my God, I've got to shut up. I'm so sorry. It's no, a it's lot. Okay. Ready, sick. So I'm we have, done. we could go chronologically. We could go by choreographer. We could go by television show. We could go by artists, like everybody that Prince worked with, you know, we could go oh by- God, how do you know Prince was the artist of the day in my class today? I'm done. Keep going. Or it could be by movie director or whatever. So right. I'm just going to toss out a couple of places to start. And I really view this conversation for our listeners is like absolutely a bite of the appetizer. This is not all inclusive. This is like, you are skiing across the history of LA dance and you're grabbing oh that was a fun idea oh my gosh someone did a show underneath the third street bridge cool interesting you know and just grabbing these ideas as a place of entry so I'll jump in now that we've you know we've established where we are in the world we're in the southern California basin you know we weren't the first people here um the roots of American modern dance do touch Los Angeles it is not New York does not have you know the monopoly on American modern dance. Um, Dude, yes. Fun fact, one of my favorite fun facts is the very first theater dedicated to dance exclusively was not the Joyce Theater in New York. It was a theater, a studio theater in LA founded by Lester Horton in 1945. The Joyce was founded in 1982. Suck it, Joyce. Sorry. (laughs) But also (laughs) present the Seaweed Sisters because they need to be on the Joyce stage right now. We love you. We love you, Joyce Theater. Um, Okay. And so what I love about that is, you know, and it was on, it was at 7566 Melrose. Like it's a shoe store. You can, right there. You can just pump it in your GPS and go see that building. Um, and you know, there's a couple of key individuals, you know, I, I'll talk about like Misho Ito, Doris Humphrey, Rusey yes. Dennis, Ted Sean, Lester Horton, Alvin Ailey, Bella Lewitsky. Like those are kind of like the go-to 
modern pioneers that were here or spent years here. Misho Ito is not from Los Angeles, but was here from 1929 to 1944. Doris Humphrey was in Los Angeles from 1917 to 1928. So everybody's a little bit different, but all of those folks, you know, Bella lived until 2004, thank goodness, because her last decade of being alive really was a lot of advocacy work, Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. especially in DC, um, advocating for the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, But most of the people we're talking about are somewhere in between like the end of the 20s to like the early 50s, mid 50s. Um, and, you know, for example, Alvin Ailey used to take the bus for two hours from South Central Los Angeles, where he lived, to the dance studio that Lester Wharton owned on Melrose. Melrose. You know, and Alvin lived here in Los Angeles until I believe it was 1988, maybe. And then he moved to New York and then he choreographed Revelations during the first year he was in New York. And when I watch Revelations... I don't see New York dance. Right. I see LA dance and I see Southern people and I see, I see life and joy and all of that. And so, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Alvin Ailey is not, not saying they can't New- own it. Yeah. Like I'm they not can't saying have it, but... he's not a New York artist. I'm just saying he's not only a New York artist, you know? Um, and what's really exciting to think about with all of these different like iconic people is like Ruth St. Dennis is one person. And again, like we're talking about, there's a ton of dancers that dance for Ruth St. Dennis, but also Ruth St. Dennis was young at one point and was just trying to make a living like the rest of us. And so one oh, of my easy favorite- to forget that, right? It's so easy to forget that our heroes are also people, you yes. know, or, or I don't even know if they're our heroes, but like these icons where you're like, surely Gene Kelly was never yeah. worried about getting his next job. And I just don't believe that's true, you know, or we're all human, even those that are at whatever level we view to be the highest, right? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories is in 1931, Lester Horton performed at um, the voodoo ceremonial at the Los Angeles Olympics. I think there was a period in time which cities, when they hosted the Olympics, tended to also do what they would call a cultural Olympiad as part of the events. Um, and so I think it, the voodoo ceremonial was some sort of part of that. So it happened mm-hmm. during the Olympics. Um, and his success or the success of that particular event garnered him an invitation to perform at the Paramount Theater on the same bill as Judy Garland and her sisters for a two week run. And what I love about that, like random anecdotal story, again, because I'm not a scholar yet, yet, <laughs> like there is no, like, this is my thesis. There is no line between concert and commercial, because when I think of the most concert possible concert person we we might have out of Los Angeles, Lester Horton's at the top of that list. But then when I think of commercial air quotes, again, the word word I'm, you know, divorcing, like my dad knows who Judy Garland is and he is not reading these dance history books. So those two people split bills. So like, why aren't we doing that now? You know, like why aren't, you know, the seaweed sisters splitting a bill with cultural tiempo, you know, or with, who insert whoever, you know, like yeah. all, all of those different things. Cause you never know what's going to happen out of those in, like different juxtapositions. So moving on more in like the Hollywood film television era. Right. And so um, there's a fun fact. Um, I want to, I think it, I forget the exact year, but I'm going to find it. It was uh, Thomas Edison in 1884. He filmed Ruth St. Dennis and like was trying to figure out how to make a a moving picture camera as an inventor. 
So what I love about that stat is like, not only have dancers been cross-pollinating with each other forever, but we have been cross-pollinating with other- Engineering. Exactly. Sciences. From the beginning. 100%. Yes. I actually knew this. I I think I have a, like a- a photography and cinematography book that that says this and maybe even shows some mm-hmm. capture from it. I, I think I feel like I knew that somewhere in the fringes of my mind. Yeah, there's that we can point to this happening forever. Mm-hmm. So how is it? This is an aside from your history timeline, but how is it in your from your perspective that we seem to have fallen apart or behind? Like, how is it that that mm. rift? was formed when did that happen when in the timeline did that happen are you thinking the rift of concert and commercial or or dance versus other arts dance and other arts yeah yeah i mean i i have a couple theories around that and i'm still really pondering what is what is most true i think one of the things that is true is again dance both in concert or commercial or for-profit non-profit um is the lowest paid line item, historically speaking. And so when people, when an entire ecosystem is all paid low, the ecosystem doesn't have the time to advocate for itself. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is a result of that, you know, like even the choreographers that are booked and blessed and like making like a real living, like a six figure living, you know, um, they're booked. They got, they have work to do. They've got prep work to do. They're editing. They're looking at edits. They're looking at giving feedback, you know, they're lining up the next thing they're teaching on the side to stay. Totally. They're like figuring out if they want to go with a new agent, they're trying to build their website. Like they're busy doing their job. And what I've noticed is in Los Angeles, there are not as many quote institutions that are um, stepping in to fill the gaps, which is what I'm most interested in is like, where does the gap between the Dance Resource Center, which is a nonprofit that serves the dance mm-hmm. community, primarily through like information gathering and um, co- calendar listings and yep. that kind, kind of- bulletin of, board type sharing exactly. with, with the community. Um, you know, they they have a budget, but they can only do so much. So where does the Dance Resource oh, Center end? And fiscal sponsorship, yes. add that to the list, which yes. uh, super shout out, Dance Resource Center, my fiscal sponsor. Yes, um, but like, where does Dance Research Center end? Where Arts for LA begins, which is a different organization that focuses on increasing, you know, lobbying for increasing funding on the city, state, county level, you know, and then where does that end? And the Choreographers Guild begins, which is right. doing something very different. And then where does that end? And the Dance Dancers Alliance begins, which is not even a super formalized entity, but nonetheless an entity, you know, and we have so many we don't have the resources or the infrastructure in place for this time the man, the manpower. Yeah. Manpower. Yeah. You know, because we're all so busy working. This is brilliant. Yes. I I accept that answer. I do want to hear your other ones, but I also want to keep going down the timeline history wormhole. Totally. So, and the next, I'm still in the like investigating by individual uh, philosophy. So in Hollywood, not not a chronological exploration, not yet. (laughs) So now we move into film and television. So in 1884, Thomas Edison films the dance films, Bruce St. Dennis, and I assume it was a dance film. So I'd like to say that the first film ever was a dance film, although I know that's not true. And don't quote me. I really like that though. But that's a power, it's it's strong. I wish that were true. You know? And I'm gonna do some real I'm gonna leave myself in. I think we can say one of the first films. There you go. I think. Um, I look forward to being corrected, though. 
Um, and then the next kind of marker as far as timeline is 1895. The swan, a full length of Swan Lake, the ballet was filmed in Russia. Um, and then we kind of skip a little bit of time and um, jump up to 1940 where we see Disney's Fantasia. And that's, um, although that's not uh, humans dancing, you know, there were humans that danced to make that animation happen. Reference, and to reference for good. animators, yep. So- um, You should revisit, it's been, a, it's been a long time. I know, I really um, resonate with, is it the ostriches doing ballet or hippos yes. doing ballet? Um, I think both. it's- I think Ostriches, it's, crocodiles- Hippos. Yes. The ostrich um, really speaks to me as someone who's 5'10 and did ballet for a long time. I always just uh, felt like I was like a God. full head above everybody else. Because you go on point and that adds a foot. Literally, yes. literally a foot. So I'm six yes. foot whatever on point shoes. I love this. So I'm basically image. an ostrich. Hey, we have a new Halloween costume plan. Mm-hmm. Not no. Not an mm-hmm. associated choreography. 100%. Um, okay, so some other key individuals in this time frame. So we're we're looking really in like the 30s, 40s, and 50s right now. We've got Fred mm-hmm. Stone, you know, who um, was was alive and with us until 1959. Busby Berkeley, as many of the listeners I'm sure know who that is. Fred Astaire, Jack Cole, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, Esther Williams, and so we have all of these incredible people that were making work in the film and television space. And so after Fantasia in the 40s, we kind of get into the big musical era, right? Mm-hmm. Where we this have golden age. the golden age of musical television, which um, I would love one day to see the budgets of those oh, films. yes, please. Like, I'm just thinking of Hello, Dolly. You know, great, and, great and the reference, number yeah. of people in that film and the length of that Who, film and the huge, like, like massive, overhead massive shots, camera moves. Yes. Mass, you know, yeah. and I know it's, it was it's it was a different time, but I still just want to know, like, how much did the PA make on Hello, Dolly? And did, <laughs> well, at this time, wait, what year? Uh, Hello. When did Hello, Dolly come out? Um, let me see. Because dancers were, were definitely not a category. 1969. <laughs> oh. Is when Hello Dolly came Yeah, out. no. Those those dancers were extras. Yes. So yeah. Not, Be- not making a Which making brings a lot me to our next decade, because the heyday was the 40s and 50s. So in the mm-hmm. 1960s, and this was in 1969, we really see the movie musical start to decline. I, mm-hmm. I have lots of theories on why that happened. Uh, the main theory, I think, is money. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say that everything comes down to money because that's a pessimistic way to look at the world, but those movies are expensive, you know? And so then in the 70s, you see some revival of dance on camera in the sense of, quote, musicals, but it's more uh, it's more contained. You know, I'm thinking like Saturday Night Fever, Grease yeah. even. Like Grease was yeah. a long musical, but it, it was it was contained. The cast was smaller. There were less extras. You know, it just, there was a, more of a container around these things. Well said. Yeah. And then in the 80s, we see less of a musical and more of dance used as part of a storyline or used Breaking. as the primary uh, character's thing, if you will. Right. Dirty yeah. dancing, flash dance, 
the original Footloose. Like dance is actually in the storyline and it just yes. so happens that the actors are now dancing and maybe some dancers are hired, but it's not like yes. now I'm singing my ballad. We're not, we're, right. we're kind of done with right. that. No, dance is, is the location of the film. Exactly. It happens in a dance place, in a dance time to a dancer. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or someone learns to dance, which is always fun. <laughs> um, and then in the 1990s and, 20, and 2000s, you kind of start getting um, a trend of street dance coming onto film. And there are versions of that which has done really well where, you know, Black people were involved. And then there are versions of that where you're like, oh, look at all those white people doing hip hop. Uh, what how, did they think about that before they made that film? And sometimes they, I don't know. We don't know that. That's part <laughs> We of that. don't know. We, that is a research <laughs> we, we can continue <laughs> in the next journey. Um, so in that era, I mean, you have Save the Last Dance, you got Sir, Step Up, One Through, whatever, you know, yeah. they kept going for a while. Um, but that's really, that. I think that's an evolution of what we saw in the 80s, except for it's just a different style of dance, if you will. And then in the 2000s and beyond, we get into this real like hybrid moment where we're seeing, you know, more, more step ups, as we both know, mm-hmm. you know, Pitch Perfect mm-hmm. has a lot of dance in it, even though it's mm-hmm. about acapella. Um, but we also see a callback like Chicago, you know, yeah. that was, that was a yes. fun moment. We love a <laughs> right? reprise. We love Moulin non-original Rouge. content. You know, like we, I think we, we love non-original content, not only as artists, because we get to revisit those stories, but as audiences studio and studios. Ah, yes. They know, oh, someone already... No, they like, love a guarantee. They love course. a guarantee. People a know bet. what Chicago is, or they've seen the front enough to be like, oh, that looks sexy. I'm going to watch it, you know? Yes. yes. Um, and so the other thing that I find interesting in this, like, this mapping it by decade is I want to call out someone who we both know and love and has been on the podcast is Julie McDonald. Yeah. So Julie McDonald in 1985 became the first person to exclusively represent represent dance and choreographers in yep. in the commercial industry. And in she was at a diff, at a not at, she didn't have her own agency yet. She was at a first agency and um in her first year, meaning 1885 to 1986, um with like no training, her department of da- her department of dance which was her, let's be clear, right. her department at a desk of one in a corner of somebody else's office. <laughs> grossed more than a million dollars in 1985. Yes, so when I hear things, you know, so going back to what I said earlier, like I don't want to blame it all on money, but it does have a lot involved with money. I believe that to be true. But I also believe that you can build demand for dance too, you know? And so by just defaulting to blaming our challenges on not having enough money, okay, let's let's figure out how to advocate for more money, but also let's go over here to this side and own our problem and be like, well, is it something I'm not making like what am i doing to build a new audience to how can i create new value how can i create new value here or remind people of the value because people that don't that part people that don't live and breathe dance like we do you know they think about it when they go to a wedding once or twice a year or like their cousin's friend has to do go to some kid's recital and then their eyes go back in their head you know which i get that i've sat through so many recitals that i would have loved to been doing other things you know but um It's just interesting to think about, you know, because Julie in mid 80s just created demand, you know, I mean, with with, you know, the people around her and the artists around her and all of that. But like, it's possible, you know, um, to just create something out of nothing. Um, And it's not even out of nothing. Right. You're in this ecosystem we've been talking about now for 
a little bit here. Um, so anyway, so that kind of brings. I'm so inspired. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so then, on the on the realm of you know advocating for ourselves, Julie was eight, uh, you know, eighty five, and then in two thousand she started MSA, which we all know and love. And then in two thousand ten, Dancers Alliance is when it really started to formalize, which yep. um, is again, it's not its own nonprofit, it's not its own entity, but it's a real community, not a union. Just an aggregation of people trying to make something happen. Um, I do think there's a world in which it could become formalized at some point. Um, but that's, again, one of those things that is in the in-between. Who's going to do that? When they're going to do that? Right. And who's going to pay for it's, it? Yeah. For for many years, I was sitting on the floor of Galen Hook's living room yeah. with Lindsay Blaufarb, <laughs> Teresa Espinosa, yeah. um, uh, several, you know, countless others, and occasionally Steve Sadawi, who's now the director of the Choreographers Guild, thankfully. Thank you, Great. Steve. But it is Dancers Alliance specifically, there's probably a lot of mystery around, and I'll try to demystify it quickly, is run by the people who it represents. Everybody's always mm -hmm. asking, who runs Dancers Alliance? And it's truly the the, the dancers yeah. of the dance community. Yeah. And, and there's kind of a baton that gets passed from leader type to leader type, but it's anyone who shows up for the issues and can organize information yes. and get it to the community. Yeah. It's that's, that's the biggest objective is informing the community. And it's tough when they're the turnaround of the community is so fast. Yep. It's exceptionally tough when the community is not a huge um, read stuff community. Yes. Because most of that information is transferred via words on yes. pages or yes. pixels. Um, and it does, you know, to keep an informed community that's as young as the dance community that has such high turnaround that, you know, is always changing and is always on the job. Mm -hmm. It presents a really specific challenge that is uh, right now, Lindsay Duco is, um, is I would say key leadership of Dancers Alliance. She's doing a fantastic job and it's it's so much work. And as you mentioned before, invisible work. Yes. Uh, and 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 thankless work. And yeah. I remember I recently I'm really behind on words that move me full full transparency. So on my last plane I, flight, you get a pass. <laughs> I was listening to your your interview with Galen, which I think was like over a year ago. Uh -huh. Um, but you know, Galen's talking about taking zoom, not, it wasn't zoom then Skype meetings from like China, you know, at 3am because of the time difference on behalf of Dancers Alliance. So when, yeah. when we say put in the work, like Galen put in the work the early, work. early on and many other people, I'm sure she's the only one that I like knew at the time. Yep, um, yep. but it's, it's, I think there are some definite pros for it being all dance dancer driven oh. and also all volunteer. But I also think there are some cons in that. Right. And I'm curious. 100%. Like we don't have paid admin. Like you can't turn down work to do something for free yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, yeah, there does become, yeah. I, it comes in waves. All of that type of grassroots organization will come in waves. You know, a group of people at a certain time mm -hmm. has the time and the resources to make some change happen. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ebbs and flows. I think that's also creative life. There, yes, dance, I agree with that. Dance life is human life. Um, <laughs> but I don't think we're meant to be top delivering like all the time. I don't think we're meant to be in output mode all the at time. all times. Yeah. 
Um, I think that we move forward on a wheel and we're... I completely agree. Liz Lerman, Lerman, East Coast, unbelievable thinker, mover, maker. She just recently posted, she's she would, she's what I would call a legacy artist. I don't know her age, but she's, she's definitely in, um, she's been with us a long time. Um, she's taking a sabbatical. Wow. And I was like, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, Please yeah. do. Cause I can't yeah. wait to, I mean, with her brain allowing time, time to decompress and process, like I can't imagine what she's going to come back with, That's you know? Exciting. And I think about, you know, you're, you're a great example. You're, you work a lot and you teach a lot and you're on, you're not on a hamster wheel. Cause your wheel definitely is moving, you know? Um, but I'm like, where is this going? Please tell me because yeah. I can't wait to find out when I'm going to get it. But I wonder like, how would you approach your class if you had a month off? I mean, I know you had your vocal surgery, which like kind a true of, month off. Yeah. which kind of forced you to take a month off, but that's different. Like a month off that's yeah. not medically related. How would that change your work? I would love, I would love to get bored enough to find out. Right. Um, yes, I do. I think I have a, it's a, probably a very American come on back to capitalism thing where, especially because I love my work, I really enjoy to be working and I keep my desk very full. Yes. I have four or five projects that I'm working on all the time at any time and they overlap. And so when one of them finishes, then I get to be in the middle of another one. By the time I'm towards the end of that one, I'm starting another yep. one. I, yeah. Full time off is not a thing that I really understand. Yeah. Or have done me, um, me neither. And I, and I actively am trying, yeah, I'm trying to figure out literally just how to schedule it. Cause I like when, you, yeah, when do you, how do you, schedule you know, that? like right now I have two main jobs, once with a dance company, once with an architecture firm advising on the uh, new art building being built. And so they're drastically different things you know, but it's, it's yeah. kind of halftime each, but not always. Cause sometimes the dance no. company has more, more than in part-time. one week and then sometimes this needs more and it's always changing and they started at different times. So yeah, I think I would love for everybody to even like Liz is taking a whole year off and we love that for Liz Lerman. What if mm-hmm. we all start with the small, like, let's just all take a sabbatical for a weekend yeah, that please. we could do, oh. you know, yeah. or one week we could all, we could do that. I could do a week. We could if do I a week. Schedule, you know? If I scheduled it now and it was in December over Christmas, I could do that. <laughs> so that's the holiday break, Dana. And that's different than what I'm talking about. But so what I'm hearing is that your first sabbatical week is in Q1 of next year after yes, the holidays. Thank you. Yes. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Um, thank you. But anyway, so. I've put, I've put it down. I've, I've marked it in her calendar. Um, anyways, so. I, I totally, I, I, I love all of this. And I think it's interesting to um, ponder. We were talking about Dancers Alliance. So the oh, last yes, kind of started things, things starting things, and slowing and, yes. and pushing and, and pulling. <laughs> yeah. And I think most recently on my timeline is adding the choreographer's guild. I think that, I mean, I think, cool. I think, and know that that is huge, you know, and I hope it's that huge. it, it is one of the, I think, blessings of COVID um, y'all had time to get on a zoom and be like, so we should, we should guild up. Right. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, so it's yeah, a little bit yeah. of that. Um, but also I think it's the exhaustion, you know, the exhaustion yeah. that there are not protections in place for choreographers and, you know, thank goodness that the current group had the space and emotion to get together to do it because it's, it's overdue. And everybody, I know everybody on that team knows that, um, but yeah, so I think that's really, really exciting. And then from there, you know, I think another thing to think about in the 
dance history space is, you know, we talked about very linear things in this conversation, but there is a world mm -hmm. of other dance and other intersections with, you know, other industries that we could go into. You know, I think a lot about not film, not film, not you know, companies on stage or choreographers being commissioned, you know, there's like the evolution yeah. of social dance in Los Angeles. We're talking you know, culture. We're talking culture. Huge, you know, like crumping, you know, I'm thinking about like all the queer clubs that have been around. The origins of popping, the origins of yes. walking. You know, like the origin, the origins of drag. Well, technically popping was Fresno, <laughs> is not Los Angeles, but. California. West Coast. Yeah, we'll broaden it. Yeah, broaden it. Um, you know, and like the club scene, like a lot of dance, yeah. I think a lot of really interesting dance happens in the club, happens on club stages here in LA. You know, like I think about the That's queer clubs. That's a great point. In West Hollywood, before West Hollywood was West Hollywood, you know? Uh -huh. um, also, there is a lot of praise and worship dance in Los Angeles. We are not, we have churches here that are alive and well with dance, you know? I think um, ballet's history with dance is really interesting. There was an L.A. ballet before the current L.A. ballet called L.A. Ballet. And then that dissolved what? for various reasons. And now there's the current L.A. ballet. But also Joffrey had a second home here for a moment. It was considering moving its company here and didn't for a, whatever reason. Um, but ballet has its own little weaving moment with Los Angeles. I think, you know, the rise of MTV and music videos. Hello. Huge. That's I mean, that's three hours at minimum just to dis yeah. discuss to talk about TRL. To break that down. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> you know what come I mean? on. And what I find interesting about that moment is I think it was a space because that was, you know, really in the 90s and the early 2000s. I think about how all of our choreographers who are working on film now came up in that era. So have a lot mm -hmm. of experience, like yourself, Huge you have experience dancing, dancing in music videos. Those are all basically mini films, you know, and so yep. they're learning, they're cutting their teeth, they're figuring things out. How, how big do I need to be when the dance is, when the camera's behind me or what about what if we're doing an overhead shot? What does that make it different? You know, um, all of those skill developments were in this like rapid iteration, like Usher needs another video. Let's go, you know? Right. Um, so I, I like I wonder if there's a causal relationship there. I don't know. You know, site-specific work in Los Angeles is huge because we have huge. such amazing weather. Site-specific work has been happening in LA since I don't I don't know the date, but like my <laughs> like a long time. You know, uh -huh. I also think about the how the establishment of undergraduate dance programs in Los Angeles have affected our field. At one point. Mm -hmm. There was no dance department at UCLA, and now there's the World Arts and Culture Department, and that is where dance is housed, and how those choreographers come out, and do they stay in Los Angeles and make companies and work, or do they leave? You know, the mm. USC is our newest dance department, and we have yet to see how that impacts the ecosystem at large, but at first, you know, hiring LA artists to be professors, like they've got a staff professor yes. list. And a lot of them are LA artists, you know, I think that's yeah. a big impact because those artists now can kind of view research and then education and then their own creative practice as three specific buckets they're investigating. Nina Flagg, OG dinner friend, Perfect example, professor yes. at USC now, you know? Yes. Um, there's also the world of curators and scholars, you know, eventually I will be in that category. Uh, yes, I hope I ho if all things go as planned and I actually read all these books. Um, oh you know, you tell me how to help and I'm there. I will, I will read them to you as you fall asleep oh my God. at night because dreams. I, I can't, I, I just can't imagine how I know I'm busy <laughs> and I imagine you're a day in the life of Emily Wanzerski and my mind is blown in half. It's, I just, it's, it's so much, it's so much work, but it's also kind of, but again, I use this phrase a lot, but better than a movie. 
right? You plug into yeah. that and you it's like watching multiple movies at once. Um, yeah, truly. And it's a I, very exciting thing. It's also a funny, I, I also live in a very funny life because the the most wild things will happen. Like I, I've gotten in long arguments with my fellow city employees over who's going to buy the gaff tape. You know, like I can't, I can't make this up. You know what I mean? Some of the emails I have gotten over the years and like, just, there's just like, it's just oh, hilar- hilarity happens in the, in the, in the gray areas in which I work. It's okay. Just, so now wild. on, on, on kind of like a, a perf- personal entrepreneurial tip, I am curious now, like as being a person who has important work to do for other people, important is- inst- interests that you are exploring for yourself, how do you cut through bullshit like emails about who's going to buy mm. tape? How do you set boundaries for your time? How do you decide where you will put your energy and attention? Because I remember uh, the first um, Choreographers Guild steering committee meeting that you came to, and I was like, oh my God, Emily Wanzerski is a person that we need. Emily Wanzerski is a person that we need. There's no way Emily has time for us. There's no way this can, can happen. Like I felt the same thing about Jerry Brown, previous podcast guest, who's part of our diversity, inclusion, mm. uh, equity, and accessibility uh, subcommittee. And I also like listening to her speak felt very similarly, similarly, she's pulled in so many different directions because her expertise is specific, her knowledge Mm -hmm. is specific and, and it's needed elsewhere. And I just feel like hoarding you both all to myself. uh, And by myself, I mean the choreographer's guild, but (laughs) how do you decide where to put your time and talent? Well, I think it's changed over the like decade and a half I've been doing this, um, Right now, I am in a new era of trying to put myself first for just like a moment. Um, <laughs> not all the time. Not, not all, all the time. time. Don't worry. All my clients are like, what? <laughs> all of a sudden, all the calls come in. Uh, no, I think I think when I turned 30, I was like, all right, that was fun. But uh-huh. I, something's got to something's something's give, give, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, the time management thing and the boundaries around work is something I actively struggle with and am actively working on. I have okay. like yeah. tips and tricks that I work on that I'm trying to do and new scheduling things I'm working on um, to kind of protect my time. But mm-hmm. that is, uh, that's, a cha- that's a big challenge for me. Um, mm-hmm. As far as where to put my time and effort, I am radically blunt with my clients mm. and with, nice. people, with people oh, that, that saves so much time work it really does that's a great answer to this question you know i just like direct just so direct you know yeah. and, and to to like almost to a fault um you know Tell i don't i don't work under x amount fee or x amount hours or i no longer am doing this type of work i will do this type of work but i think it's been what's really powerful for me and the how do I decide what work to take and not is I've done a lot of work on what I don't ever want to do again. So for me, I was never that person that like came out of school and was like, I know that I want to be this for the rest of my life. I've never been that way. I've always, I'm really more of like a process of elimination person. So at this point in my career, I am done running dance companies as a hundred percent my time. So I will never be an executive director of a dance company again. Now, I say that with the caveat that right now I am an interim executive director for a dance company. 
because I really do enjoy the era of growth and radical uh-huh. change and yes. like the fixing and the trying and the resituating. Um, in the nonprofit dance world, there's a term called strategic planning. And right. everybody's like, write a strategic plan. And the funders are like, write a strategic plan. And I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't believe in that. I believe strategically in... plan this. I believe Sorry, in strategic. I've got big suck at energy today. <laughs> I believe in strategic doing, right? Mm. Like we we can make a plan and it will live in a drawer for a hundred years and no one will look at it. But if we create strategic doing tasks and we try something and like have that feedback loop either with the audience or with the students or with our funders or with whoever, you get faster along the way. And I think. And you get you get to answers faster that will also pay off financially, creatively, right. emotionally, yes. administratively. Yes. And so um, I think I learned that kind of shift in mindset from going from my first job to my second job. My first job was mm-hmm. running a nonprofit dance company. My second job was being the assistant to a designer. Um, his name is Alex McDowell. He did the production design for Minority Report, Fight Club, Man, oh, Man of this. Steel etc. And his his whole process is called world building. When I was working with him, he was half at USC as a professor and had a research lab there. And then half was working at a design firm as like a for-profit endeavor of how to take his design process for real world clients. And so in that job, that was very much like research-based, but also like capitalism-based, like one of our clients was Nike. And when Nike says it's due, it's due. You know, I learned about that tech mentality of like rapid prototyping. Like you got to try it, you know, before you do it. And I think Mm -hmm. some choreographers, some choreographers do that and other choreographers are so precious. And and, and I say choreographers and dancers a little bit, you know, some are just like, I'll try it, whatever. Okay. I'm off. But like, I tried it. And others are like, oh, I need to prepare before I can go to that kind of a class. You know, and I think, I think like Ryan Heffington is a perfect example of the rapid iterator. Like long before Sia, Ryan was churning out, you know, choreography in clubs every week, a new quartet, like nonstop, just churn, 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 which I think also trained him. So now that when he is hired for a commercial and they're like, you have six hours, he's like, all right, challenge is easy. Right. Like, give me a studio, (laughs) you know? Very fine-tuned and tight feedback loop with himself. Yes, exactly. Like making, yeah, making under your own pressure can definitely help you to deliver under the pressure for someone else uh, to varying degrees of satisfying their needs versus maintaining your signature thing or, or whatever. That's an important skill. This is one of the reasons I advocate, especially in my early on podcasting days, I talked about a lot about a project I did called Doing Daily, where yes, every single day totally for over a calendar year, yep. I just pooped out a little dance-ish video. And it's just and the exercise of like the exercise of doing. You have to, to be do doing it. versus yep. just planning to do. Yep. So I, I take that. Doing. I take that mentality into my client work now because we can cool. sit around and like ponder, you know, and predict and like try to envision what our budget looks like in three years. But let's just like do something right now, so we know how much it's going to cost. This is incredible. You know, and then we yeah. can plan for it or we do a scaled back version now and then see what happens. I love this. Let's um, do a 1.0. We'll get to the 3.0. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, I don't know if that actually answered your question, um, but you know, I think right now I'm, and the other thing is right. I'm also right after I turned 30 and also as I separated myself from the city and Ben moved who I really was like, he was like a big mentor to me. You know, mm-hmm. I said something to him. I was like, Ben, what are we going to do now that you're gone? And he was like, well, you can do it. 
And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, all the advocating I did for LA dance, like you can, you can do that. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. Okay. (laughs) You know, and there's a, there's a, I, I feel like there was this shift there for me where I was like waiting for permission to say I want to, I'm going to be an LA dance scholar or I'm going or to, to be, blank, yeah. you know, I'm going to open an LA dance history museum that also has a theater. Like there's, it was almost as if I was waiting for permission and I, and like, you don't have, like no one else's. No. no, you know, this is so poetic. It's so rich. You went from looking for the thread mm-hmm. that weaves the dance community together to being the thread that is weaving the dance community. Trying way. to with lots of other people, you know, I'm not, well, I'm not the Messiah. Yes. But... None of this is, yeah. None of this is a solo craft. No. A very collaborative place, Los Angeles and, and this and, work. And so I think is... like one example of how that's happened is jumpstart LA, which is the, summer, yes. which is the summer Wanted program I started with um, yep. Gracie and Laura of Whiteberg and Maddie Hicks. Um, mm-hmm. We did last year, you taught so much fun. Um, so we are in our second year and our goal with that summer program was not to be quote unquote, just another summer program that is with a particular company. Not that those aren't valuable. I went to many, I loved them all, but our right. goal was, okay, someone lands in LA. What do they do? Literally right. like when they sit down at their laptop to write their first email, to try to get a job, what does the email say? Because <laughs> You know, no one gives you that book. And so our goal is to really nourish not only young artists creatively by bringing in incredible movement artists to lead classes, i.e. you, i.e. Chuggy Barcelo, you know, um, body traffic, Contratiempo, like the the list of the people teaching amazing movement classes, like. The roster is incredible. The roster is incredible. The roster is incredible. It's insane. I'm very, very Every time a teacher agrees to teach, I am shocked. Even though some of these are my friends, because I'm just. Just like I can't, I can't believe. Uh, like we are in our second year. Do you all know this? Yes. And everybody's like, it's, "Yeah, it's, we're it's, good." Exquisite. It's, it's very, very cool. Um, and it, and geared specifically toward that early career group. Of, early career, yeah. Of of professional level dancers. And yes. let's be honest, I, of course, I think I know who I'm talking to when I get in this booth every day, but. I'm I'm pretty sure most of y'all listening are overqualified to be professional dancers or choreographers mm-hmm. if that's the field that you're in already and you've found me and you've found this thing that you're listening to. It's really about like what, what Emily just offered, the nuts and bolts. When your fingers yes. hit the keypad, when you step into the room, when you like what happens then? Yeah. And I think And none of our university programs are teaching that. And yeah. I say that with respect, you know, they're right, busy doing they're teaching what, a lot of, yes. of history yes. and let's get totally. caught up. And, let's and most you a university programs now have what they call senior seminar and you like do a budget and like put on a show or whatever. But like no oh, one cool. is like, I didn't get personal finances in college and I got two degrees, neither degree mm-hmm. prepared me for that. And, you yeah. know, and so what I'm most excited about this year with Jumpstart LA is last year, you know, it was really half seminars, half movement classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that we got feedback from our people. That was a lot of sitting. So this year, what uh-huh. we're doing, instead of having it be half and half, we have a wider variety of kinds of classes uh-huh. and we have some seminars that are purposely moving seminars. So it's yes. like, you're, you're not going to get a full warm up. There's going to be some choreo, but then we're going to learn how to dance with the camera and spend 
two hours on that. On our feet. Doing on our thing. feet, moving around. Okay, what if the camera's here now? Okay, speed bump. The floor is actually glass. What do we do now? You know, or whatever. <laughs> and it's um, wet and you're in heels. Go. Go. You know, and so Jillian Myers is teaching that class. Oh, you know. Such a gift. Ooh, that's rich. Right? It, uh, by itself, y'all, that's worth tuition. It really is. I- and then the other part we're doing is instead of me, I did most of the lectures last year, like this is your budget, blah, blah, blah. Instead of that approach this year, we're trying to make it more embodied, right? Like huh. we're going to start the seminars with a Google spreadsheet for everybody with each tab of what they need. Like this is your personal budget. These are your quarterly goals. These are your quarterly networking goals. These are your quarterly marketing goals. Um, can I teach and take? <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Can we make an, exep- an exception? Um, because so that, that sounds you, fascinating. Because what we also learned is last year at the end of every day, we had one-on-one mentorship sessions with just the producing team, which they mm-hmm. everybody was said was really helpful um, mm-hmm. because it was so customized. And so our goal mm-hmm. is to take some of that customization into like a working group, like an active session where our attendees are like, let me pull up my website and get feedback on it right now and edit uh-huh. it right now. Versus last year, I think a lot of our artists went home with a huge pack of information and a long list of things to do, but not necessarily the accountability built in to get it all done. That being said, some of our alumni have already flown since JSLA. Like one of our alumni is on tour with LA Dance Project. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like another one joined Mashup Contemporary. Many have worked with Toogie since meeting Toogie at LA at JSLA. So it's just... Mm -hmm. I feel like what was nice for me about JSLA is it was like, again, okay, I can't, I, we got to work on LA dance history at some point. I don't really yeah. know how to start that project yet, but I do know how to help early career artists get from early career or get from like confusion to being inside their career because I've done yes. that with so many people at this point. Yes. And so this is my favorite space to live. It's kind I of like it. the first de- step de- demystification, of that. And it is a doula. It is. Yeah. You, I remember you and I had dinner uh, recently-ish. I yeah. really str- – it's so slippery time right now. Time Very is slippery also thing. nothing but a construct. <laughs> Completely. And um, I th- it was the first time I heard you use these words, art doula. And you were like, it's going to sound a little woo, but I'm going to say – I'm going to say what, I, what I'm, what I'm kind of – how I'm sort of explaining myself right now. And it was like, okay, go. And you said art doula. And I was like, that's it. Game. That's it. Game over. That's it. Yeah, that's it right now. And I need yeah. one. Um, yeah, please help me deliver the art into the world and help me learn how to breathe through it. Hold my hand when I need you to hold my hand. Be firm when I need you to be firm. Yeah. And I think because you've done that for so long for so many people in so many different spaces, mm-hmm. yeah, you're the specialist at that. I think and- this program is fantastic because of that. Yeah. So and congratulations. I'm- and they're so lucky to have you. Thank you. And we, and I'm, I'm enjoying it too, because I remember going to intensives and classes and feeling inspired mm. when I left, but then I'm like, okay, but still like, now what, what, now what? <sighs> you know, yes. like, but so auditions aren't happening as much because of COVID great. Now what, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what we're talking about at Jumpstart so that people really can leave with a to-do list of not what I'm doing in a year. What do I do today to get yeah. myself to next year? You know? <sighs> Are you guys sold out already? We are not sold out already. We still Holy have- smokes. And yeah. when does the program start? It starts on July 31st. Okay. And it's a week. Um, it's at LMU's campus. Um, ooh, new venue. New venue. Yes. Word. Um, yeah. 
And we're really okay. excited. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I think if if you all – I hope that you all enjoyed this tiny sampler platter that was um, a walk through, a dive through the non-linear, more of like a worm farm uh, adventure through dance web. in Los Angeles. This web, yes, um, which is fantastic because I also just saw Across the Spider-Verse a couple of days ago. I'm a newly converted super fan of, mm. mm-hmm. I think, Spider-Man kind of as a whole. But uh, in general, I've always kind of loved a white guy in a unitard. It's, that's really <laughs> where it started for me. Then there was the upside down kiss, Tobey Maguire. Sure, sure. Uh, and that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that got mm-hmm. me through up to the Andrew Garfield period. Mm-hmm. Kind of lost interest. Tom Holland is fine. Chris, his uh, stunt double is a friend of mine so that that kind of brought me back in but then on the recommendation of a couple very close friends i watched into the spider-verse and the way they represent a multiverse in that movie reminds me a lot of dance and how Mm. we're spread out and how we're superheroes and how we all have the magical powers and also very human weaknesses and um so yeah this idea of weaving and web is front of mind but it's it's very applicable it's very real the way the way that you're explaining the landscape. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that people are able to uh, plug in to that network via Jumpstart LA. I will 100% be linking to uh, the website and how to apply, how to register. register. Do, do they have to do application? Just no sign application. up. application. Just sign on Lucky up. ducks. Yeah. Um, and also, Emily, I will link to your website to make sure people know where and how to find more of you. Cool. Um, I am very much looking forward to working more closely with you with my seaweed sisters yes, in upcoming months. We're, we're very thrilled to be delivering art babies all over the world in the, in the shades of blue, pink, and green with your I wore blue. Assistance. I wore blue today because you are the blue seaweed. Did you notice? I, I literally, it's exactly what I, I opened my closet and I was like, what should I wear? It's gotta blue. be blue. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, and it actually kind of does feel like a blue day. Very overcast. Yes. It probably still is. I haven't really yeah, paid it's attention. Overcast. Thank you for shining light on this blue, blue day and on the landscape of dance in LA. Didn't even mean for that to rhyme. It's just how it happened. Thank you so very much. Um, we're going to link to all of the resources. <laughs> so people, many hyperlinks. Places. Yeah, a lot of hyperlinks in the show notes of this one. So give yourself a weekend off. Does it count? Is it a, a sabbatical if you research? Um, I think if you're choosing for it to be like an inspiration and not putting okay. pressure on yourself to like right, memorize to like and no, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're viewing it as like this is a, an investigation for my creativity, I think that's sabbatical material for sure. Okay, then you know what? I'm in. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna sign up for Jumpstart LA. I'll see you all there. Thanks yes. so much, Emily. You're the best. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dana. Bye. Bye. Wow, my friend. I told you so, didn't I? I told you so. I told you so. We're not worthy. We <laughs> are not worthy of Emily Wanzerski. Uh, I hope that you learned a lot. I hope that you all spend tons of time digging into the resources that we have included in the show notes of this episode. If you plan on being in LA July 31st through August 4th, please, pretty, pretty please, 
consider signing up for Jumpstart LA, aka JSLA, the series of movement classes, seminars, and interactive workshops co-founded by Emily Wanzerski. I will see you there because I'm on faculty, um, and I will also just be running this episode right back, right now, right from the top, because I, I simply have so much to learn and to remember and uh, also to be grateful for. You, dear listener, are among those things that I am grateful for. Emily, you also are on that list. Thank you so very much for your time and wisdom and and cheers to future TED Talks <laughs> down the road. All right, y'all, that's what you get from me today. Get out there into the world, crush it, and keep it super funky. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.